Dallas, I apologize to you now because you're in the sweat zone. So there could be... <laughs> I get ram if I get rambling and war war uh, wound up, there could be sweat, there could be spit. So just I'll try to aim here. Good morning, you guys. It's good to have you here today. And I'll tell you what. Good morning, everybody watching online. Um, I love you guys. Man, I love y'all. I like to worship from the back of the room. That's my corner over there, and I like to look in that glass during worship and look out and see you guys in worship. It just does something for me. But man, I've, I, the last month and a half or so, I've been moving to different places in the room just to hear your hearts. <sighs> Don't do it. <laughs> 80% of the room know what I'm talking about. Don't do it. A brother told me in first service, because I got up and like three words in, I was starting to cry. I said, why am I doing this? He called me afterwards. He said, brother, just do you. You know, the Lord taught him about being broken. He said, just be you. But, uh, but, but there's something powerful when you're among God's people and you've walked with them and you know the struggles. You know, the, the heartaches and, the, and the, the triumph, the victories that happen with people when you, you're, you're walking with them in this life. And to hear them come forth with praise from the valley and when they're praising in the mountaintop, it is so enriching and so powerful. And this morning I was sitting in the back back there and just to look at the room and see hands up and hearts bowed and just... Man, I love your heart to worship. Y'all are so amazing. We've had some incredible messages the last few weeks. Um, I don't know what's happening today. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see where that goes. And I say that, I laugh and I jest because I like to walk. One, one. I'm sorry, tech team. I'm sorry, everybody. I just feel comfortable down here. I'm not a be up there kind of guy. But... um. We get our schedule, Pastor Kevin and Pastor Ronnie over the years, they would send out the speaking schedule. So we kind of know when our dates are going to be. And I've known I had this Sunday for at least since May. And so May and June, I'm like, hey, don't worry about it. You got time. It's okay. July comes. It's like, hey, I need to start reading the scripture that I'm doing. So I kind of read through that and going. And uh, end of July, going into August, okay. We need to start praying and get this thing together. So on Tuesday mornings, what happens around here is staff comes together for staff prayer. And it's like 9.45 to 10.30. By the way, all y'all that are wearing different colored jerseys and caps for these sports teams, I understand y'all have got a ball game coming on at 12 o'clock. And some of you are recording. I'm going to try to get you out of here in time to go see the kickoff, okay? Um, I used to care. I really did. When I first came here, I still had PSLs, and I would... Like, as soon as we get out of church, I was gone. I'm at a point now, I really don't care. But so I hope you get to see your team. Go Packers, go Titans, go whoever, whatever. Um, I don't care. So I could be the other guy and just preach till 1230 and make Pastor Kevin so upset that I'll never preach again, which is, you know. Um, boy, where was I going with that? Oh, I remember Tuesday mornings. I'm all, it's coming. Tuesday mornings, your pastoral staff comes from 945 to about 1030. And we spread out around this room and we play worship music. And then we spend 45 minutes in prayer and we've got our journals. Kevin encourages us to bring our Bible. And we just write what God speaks to us. You know, if the Lord gives us something in that time, journal it, write it down so we can go back and look at it. So about four weeks ago, it was not my intent and purpose, but who's sitting over there? Darren, actually. Um, 
where Jennifer's sentence really is where I was at. And the Lord began to tell me to look at my text for this sermon. So I'm reading it and I start writing things. And then, you know, sometimes you just don't want to write anything, but then you know those times when the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you and you can't stop writing. It's like, slow down, God, I can't keep up. It was one of those. And then the next Tuesday we came in here and it was just, we were playing three or four songs and we got in, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. And it just kept going. And I don't know if it was Aubrey, I don't know if Pastor Kevin given one of those, but we played that song like six or seven times in a row. And we all just broke. We were so broken in the presence of God because he's so worthy of it all. And in that time, God gave me the rest. And I'm just writing down. And I'm writing down. And I went, oh, wow. I've got my message. That's awesome. I got four weeks. So then I get it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not Pastor Ronnie. I'm not tech savvy. So I had to get Mary, Mary Weather to help me with pro presenter and how do I make my slides and do all this stuff. So I'm getting all that, and I got that to her like a week or so ago. I'm like, hey, let me get this to you so it's in the can. We're ready to go. And I'm ready. I think I'm ready to preach. And then this morning, God goes, I want to teach you something this morning. You study all you want to. You prepare, and there is merit to that because we should be prepared. We should study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of God. But sometimes he comes in and goes, now I'm going to teach. And that's the best kind. So we may or may not see every slide. First service didn't. I think they saw just the scripture. So we'll see how that goes. So again, I'm sorry if I spit and sw- Sorry. I mean, I'll stand back here. I need, remember when we, remember COVID? Remember those? I need a, y'all need it or I need it. Let's stand and read the scriptures. Help him, Lord Jesus. I hope this thing works. Like I said, I may just give it to Pastor Ronnie and say click. Um, Oh, there we go. He told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch on its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Father, thank you that you reveal the hidden things. God, we ask today that your Holy Spirit take all my junk. And you speak to your people today, God. Lord, the hidden things of your word. Lord, I've heard Pastor Ronnie, I've heard so many people say that they've shared a message and then people will come up and say, man, when this happened and we go, I don't even know what you're talking about. So Holy Spirit, you reveal today the secret places, the hidden things in your word because Jesus told them when they ask about the parables, he said, let them have ears 
to hear and those that have eyes to see. So let us hear and see this morning in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated in his presence. When I say the kingdom of heaven, what comes to mind? Do you drift off into some ethereal imagination? Maybe you see an Arthurian type of kingdom, Camelot. Or maybe like me, you re-envision the Temple Mountain, Jerusalem in its glory, but yet the glory that's coming as we hear in Revelation 21. From childhood, I remember, grew up in the AG, and I remember these guys would come to church and they'd have these big canvas things that would line the platform of the church and it was the timeline and stuff and they'd always talk about the new Jerusalem and how it's going to look like the old and all this other stuff. So from childhood, when I think the kingdom of heaven, I see this, but I got a feeling it ain't going to be nothing like any of us think when we get there. You know what I'm saying? Whatever the image that comes to your mind, the kingdom of heaven is a real place and it is a real ideal. It is a real situation. The Greek word for kingdom that's used here is basileia. I hope I said that right. It's a literal kingdom in which a king sovereignly rules. And it's the same phrase that John the baptizer uses when he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And you know the situation, Christ comes and he wants to be baptized. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is a place. It's not physically here on the earth. You can't go to Israel and there's the kingdom of heaven. You can't go to Africa and there's the kingdom of heaven. But it is a real place. And there's a real ideal to the kingdom of heaven. But it is embodied in a real person that did come and walk in this earth. And that's our Savior, Christ. He was the flesh embodiment of the heavenly Father's kingdom. Now, any mathematicians, I know, any teachers, teachers, raise your hands. Okay, I hated math, just saying. I quit at geometry in 10th grade. I had a German teacher, she was really strict, and I went, I'm done with angles and cosines and all that stuff, so I quit. But I did get a C, so I passed. But I do remember this. Help me, Rhonda and Miss Vonda, Miss Coble. The transitive property of equality, am I correct? If A equal B, and B equals C, then A equals C. It must, right? Thank you for the confirmation from the teacher. So I at least get a B in math today. <laughs> so now we plug in for A and B. If the kingdom of heaven, because when you're reading the scriptures, you'll hear the kingdom of heaven, you'll hear the kingdom of God. So if A is the kingdom of heaven, and B is the kingdom of God, and we know in Romans 14, Paul says the kingdom of of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness. Y'all can, this is interactive. Righteous, thank you, Justin. Righteousness, peace, and joy, where? In the Holy Ghost. So if those are correct, then the kingdom of heaven would stand to also be righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, correct? Okay, so we're tracking pretty good. Now here's the deal. Let me back up, got ahead of myself. When you read through that passage in chapter 14, and Pastor Ronnie shared several weeks ago when he was talking about judgment early in Matthew, 
And I think it was referenced a couple of weeks ago when he was up about judging each other and, and all this stuff that we, guess what? I'm not a judge. Not my place to judge. Only God the Father can judge. I can't judge somebody's motives or their heart. I can visualize and have a perception of what I think it is, but I cannot judge somebody righteously. Only God the Father can. When you read through that, the instance that's happening is this brother thinks everything is clean, and I can eat, drink, do whatever because it's clean. This brother went, I ain't eating meat because that's unclean. And so what happens is now they're battling. You've got the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light being represented by two different personalities. And what happens and what we tend to do sometimes walking in the guise of being in the kingdom of heaven is we will start making accusations, judgments, and decisions on that person over there because we think we have some special revelation from God And we know what is right in the kingdom of heaven, and they are missing it. So our job is to go over here and go smack in the head with the Bible. Listen, brother, you're so wrong. I love you, but what you're doing is wrong. And then we we sit down and eat in front of them, and we have a pork chop. (laughs) You got to know the culture. Never mind, kosher. (laughs) But here's the problem. It says that he's the God of the living and the dead. He's the God of the one that thinks it's unclean, and he's the God of the one that doesn't think it's unclean. And he said he'll settle it, and he'll be the judge. Pastor Ronnie shared it several weeks ago. Who am I to judge my neighbor's servant? It's not my job. Belongs to the Holy Spirit. And then it keeps going down through that passage, and it gets to one of the key components about the kingdom of heaven. When I walk outside of God's grace and I begin to judge and quantify in other people's lives, then I am not acting in love. That's what Paul says. He said, you're not not fulfilling the call of love. So when I step out of love because God is agape and God is love, when I get out of that, then I'm no longer acting in the guise or in the representation of God. I'm acting in my flesh. So we have to walk in love. Three things that I think we can take from today's scripture in today's passage that we can apply in our own personal lives regarding the kingdom of heaven. The first thing is that the kingdom of heaven requires action on our part. The passage says that a man takes the seed, and he sows the seed. Now I'm going to get into English for you English teachers. Help me, because I would, I, I'd be not good in my English. <laughs> Those words are action words, right, Miss Rhonda? That means I take the seed, and he sowed the seed. It says the woman took the yeast, and she mixed the yeast into the 60 pounds of flour. The kingdom of God, when we step into it, yes, when we come into the acknowledgement of Christ as our Lord and Savior, he is the only begotten son, lived perfect on the life, 
was crucified, buried, and rose again on the third day and sits at the right hand of God. When we accept and acknowledge that and we are in the kingdom of God, yes, it is immediate thing. Yes, it's taking place right now. And yes, I have access to every benefit. Sorry, I spit. (laughs) To every benefit and reward that comes with that. But it don't just happen. Just because I got the license that says I'm a citizen doesn't mean that I get to have the benefits if I don't access them. I've got to do something. I've got to be something. Your works don't get you that, but it says faith without works is dead, right? So there is an action that is required of us to be in there. You can have, Pastor Barbie talked about the parable of the sower and the seed last week. You can have a perfectly good 40-pound burlap sack of great seed. I mean, that seed's ready to sow, it's ready to be planted, and it's ready to grow and reap a harvest. But if you don't take that sack of seed and you don't go out and sow it and activate it, then that seed will sit in that bag until it becomes rotted and useless. What is the seed? Based on the parable we heard from Pastor Barbie last week, interactive, you can answer. It's the word. The seed of God is in our life. The seed of God is good because the word is good. The word is right. The word is true. And and we can have it. I've got the word. If I walk around and never open this book and never apply it and never let eyes that have eyes to see and ears that have ears to hear, and I never take that word, and then I never sow it and put it in action in my life, it is useless to me. And every benefit, every blessing, every favor that it says that I have access to, I will never walk in the uh, fullness of because I'm not active in it. The kingdom of God, righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost requires an action on our part. The second thing I think we can learn is there's a time element involved. I mean, like microwave popcorn. There is a certain amount of time that you have to pop that popcorn. How many pop it two minutes and 10 seconds when it says two minutes on the bag? I heard there was an excitement. Oh, I'm cracking. I heard we had excitement uh, Saturday night for the play because somebody was making something and it went too long and it made a stink, a smell. In the microwave, you got to air it up. Do I need to grab a thing? I was told yes. Thank you, brother. We live, I love that guy. We live in a microwave society. Ignore the man behind the curtain. We live in a microwave society. We want it now. How many love going through a drive-thru? I bet every one of y'all that called Domino's, if they were there in 32 minutes, you were on the phone wanting your free pizza. If we can't go through, listen, I love Chick-fil-A, great sandwich. I'm not sold on this new pimento cheese thing, but anyway, I digress. But if you go to Chick-fil-A and you get in line and you're waiting, you want that waffle fry and that chicken sandwich and you want it right now. May I, my pleasure, yes it is. Get me to the line, get me my chicken. Because we have lost the understanding of waiting before the Lord. We've lost the value of being able to tarry 
and wait on God to do something. Because I've got a situation in my life and I want it fixed now, God. It's breaking my heart. It's causing my family pain. I don't understand and I want you to fix it now. And God says, just hold on. Because my grace is sufficient. Paul, one of the greatest writers, one of the greatest missionaries in the gospel, says he was pressed three times and he went to God. God, take it, take it, take it. And he said, hang on. My grace is sufficient for you. There is an element in time, of time, in the kingdom to become active in our life. When we activate it and we apply it and we're sowing it, you can't plant a seed today and see a sprout tomorrow. Pastor Barbie was talking about on the farm and planting the corn and planting the different crops. They went out and they had to cultivate and prepare the ground first. Then they planted good seed. They took action. But then it took, thank you. As we used to say, it'll take a minute. And God is outside of time. Because God already sees the end result. You're stuck in it right now and you don't see the development place and taking place. But God's way down here, outside of time. And he's looking in going, you just wait. You stay faithful. You keep active. You keep doing what I've called you to do and walk this thing out. And when you get here over this length of time, you're going to see the result of what's taking place in your life. It says when, let me back up, sorry. The scripture says when the seed is grown and becomes a tree. It says until, she had to mix it in and until it affected the whole thing. There was dirt, there was a seed, time took, it became a plant, then it became a tree. The third thing we can learn is the kingdom of heaven will affect the environment around it. It took time for that seed. It's like I'm hearing race cars do laps in my head. It says when grown, it becomes a tree and it provides shelter. It says that the yeast will be mixed in and over the core. Anybody make biscuits? Good. I like them, and I like the big cat heads. So if y'all ever want to bless me, no, I'm kidding. I'm trying to cut my carbs. But it takes time. How many got them grannies that used to make biscuits? You ever been there when you was little? I used to watch my granny, Mama Barfield, and she'd mix that stuff up, and she'd set that bowl on the counter for a little while, and it'd take time for that until it spread throughout it takes time, but it'll affect the environment that's in. If you are called, as Paul said in Colossians 1, he transformed us. He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Guess who rules that one? And he transformed us into the kingdom of his beloved son, the kingdom of light. When that happens, you are now in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That means righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Spirit should be activated in your life, and it should be evident to those around you. And when God takes you and puts you in a different environment, 
the kingdom of God, the characteristics and traits of God in your life, when you are put into a different environment, will affect that environment. It will change it. Some of you have seen it happen. As we activate the kingdom in our lives and we engage in the kingdom through the word and we allow the time, one of the, 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 the fruits of the spirit is bananas, patience. Some of you remember patience. Patience is a result of time. When we are patient, then God will allow us to affect the environments we're around. There was a situation that came up Monday night. Monday was Labor Day almost, a Memorial Day. Musicians, worship team. I'm laying in bed, TV's on, just finishing up the news. And I get a phone call. And there's a brother that's disturbed about some situations that are happening that affects him and his living situation. He calls other people, and then they call me because I have to be involved in it. And the last thing I wanted to do at 1038 is get up out of my bed and throw on clothes and drive somewhere and go and be involved in somebody's chaos. But guess what? If you're walking in the kingdom and you're under the anointing of Christ and righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Spirit is activated in your life, then you have an obligation. You have no choice but to go affect the environment, right? So I get there, and I do what needs to be done. And let me tell you, it was hard because it involved young men. It involved families. People make choices based on where they are in the kingdom. And the choices that were made and the result of that outcome that Monday night had the potential. And I love how Satan, the, once I got understanding of what was going on and it's about 11 o'clock now and I'm driving and I'm praying and I went, I, 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 I know what this is about. This is not about this young man and this young man in the situation. The devil's trying to mess with my mind because I'm supposed to be speaking the next Sunday. And the potential to put two or three families in this house in odds against each other and create schism. No, you're not going to do that, Satan. You're not going to have place. You're not going to have authority. So then I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, and I went, God, I've got a, I've got a responsibility I've got to do, but God, let me do it in love. Let me do it with compassion. Let me do it with tenderness. It unfolds, and I'm there to about 1230-something. I don't get home till about 1 o'clock in the morning. And I'm just ripped apart because I had to do something that put a young, another young man in a perilous situation, made him have to leave. And my immediate thought was call the other people that are involved because I want them to know my heart. I want them to know the situation. And I don't want to give any foothold for the devil to make a stronghold that could tear people apart. You hear what I'm saying? So I make calls early the next morning, early. I woke somebody, I text them at 6.30 and they call me at eight. Then I reached out to the mother of one of the young men. I said, my wife and I would like to have dinner with you. And if we could do it sooner than later, because I want to talk to you about an incident that involves your son. We went to the Mexican restaurant Tuesday night at five o'clock. 
while we talked about the situation, the more important thing that was on my heart was this child's soul because he wasn't making godly decisions. He wasn't walking in the kingdom operation. He's been blinded and he's walking in a realm of darkness. And I don't care about the situation Monday night. What I care about is this mother's child that needs to come to a true saving knowledge of who Christ is in his life and make right decisions so that he can walk in righteousness, peace, and joy. So we got there, and I thought I knew what I wanted to say, and the Holy Spirit said, you hush and you let that mama talk. And then that mama just pours her heart out because she's broken about the choices her son has been making for months. It wasn't Monday night. Monday night was a culmination. It was a rock bottom place for him to make a decision. But he had done something started months ago that he's been making the wrong choices. And we prayed over that young man. We prayed for that mama and that family. And we're still praying for that young man. And I believe God has the opportunity to turn that young man's life around if he'll yield himself to it. But that's all of us. About four weeks ago, Pastor Tim talked about good soul. And he was up here and he had his, his visual thing. And he's pulling these big chunks out. And sometimes... We think we've got it under control. God's got the big stuff out of my life, so I'm walking okay. I'm good with God. But then there's those moments where the Holy Spirit will come and go, can I talk to you about this? But God, it's so small. It's not, it's just, seriously, God, I mean, look at all. I'm not this, I don't that. And he just sits there. Can we spend some time together? Just because I sit in here on Tuesday mornings with the rest of the pastoral staff and we have our prayer and our worship time don't mean that the other six days of the week that I'm free. It means I got to do this thing every day. I could have just sat over there by my wife on the fifth row on the end and just prayed there. And God would have heard me. But sometimes... To affect change, it requires an action. Sometimes you gotta be bold enough to take a step. So I went and grabbed some carpet for a little bit that Sunday. Am I free of the three or four things that God was dealing with me about? In word, yeah. But I've gotta walk it out. I've got to live it every day. I better get in the Word and grab that seed and sow it where I need to and preach it and pray it over my life, over those three or four things that God was dealing me about. There is a kingdom of God that is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I don't know about math, but here we go. If that's true, then there's a kingdom of darkness. And in that kingdom of darkness is unrighteousness. There is chaos and there is despair. Which kingdom do you want to walk in? I've walked in this one. Pardon my French, it's hell on earth. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've walked in it. When I get in this one, it's a whole lot better than that one, but it doesn't mean I'm exempt from some of the things from that dark kingdom because he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to take us out of this kingdom. So it requires effort on my part. I can't just do this by osmosis. I have to be active in my faith. So this morning, I know some of you because I'm walking with you. I wish I knew more of you better, but I know some of you. 
And I know some of you are praying over unsaved loved ones. I know some of you are having some financial stresses right now. Some of, some of you are having some marital difficulties. Some of you are still in grief over things that have happened years ago. I know, because I'm still dealing with it. So we got to make a choice this morning. When we come to Him, we are instantaneously in the Spirit, in that kingdom, but we are not there yet. We are here. And while we are here, we are ambassadors of Christ and we have to walk as representatives of that kingdom. And to do that fully and in a worthy manner, we have to get it straight in our own life. So this morning, you can do it there. There's nothing expressly more holy about this spot. But I can tell you one thing, when you're down here and everybody else is behind, it changes perspective. So those that would pray with people, come down, please. Come on forward. You can sit in your seat. It's just as holy, it's just as sanctified, and God can speak and touch your life just as strong as He can down here. But I challenge you. Because I'm telling you, I'm a pastor. I was sitting over there. I could have just sat there. But I went up because there was a moment where I had to go, I don't care what they think about me. Why is our pastor? I don't care why you think I went up there. That's between me and God. Because I want to be more in his presence. The scripture says in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. I don't want to be half empty. So stand and let's worship this morning.